Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Australia on SEN Track. Welcome to Kiwi Chasing for New Zealand Greyhounds. The first bet Sunday through Friday. grnz.co.nz And a big welcome to another edition of Kiwi Chasing. Dobie of Watson in the Melbourne studios in Australia as we discuss and dissect the latest greyhound racing news in New Zealand. Certainly a lot happening both on and off the track and some sad news, obviously, in recent times with the passing of Paul Wheeler in the age of 65. Obviously a larger-than-life figure in the greyhound racing industry, not only in Australia, but across New Zealand as well, throughout Australasia in every essence. Joining me, as always, on a sudden, Sunday morning of New Zealand Greyhounds, the first for form, is Mark Rosanowski, the veteran Greyhound Racing broadcaster. How are you, Rosso? Yeah, good, thanks, Damien. Good morning to you. Feeling more and more veteran by the week. It's got to be said, these uh, trying times that we uh, that we all live in. But uh, the fact is, we have greyhound racing. We have racing. Uh, and I think that lifts the spirits uh, of, of a lot of people. Something to watch, something to enjoy. And, of course, last week we had the return of greyhound racing back to Monaco for those local six trainers at the moment that have got greyhounds there that can at least race against each other under the restrictions that they remain under at the moment and everybody's working very hard to uh, try and make everything work and um, certainly congratulations to those people who managed uh, to get that meeting off the ground last week and again like uh, like then today we have uh, seven races again at Monaco uh, of course uh, same trainers same dogs different draws and we'll try and find a winner uh, with uh, Jeff Farrell from Farrell Racing his wife Glenn has got a team of 11 in today and speaking of which Jeff Farrell joins us on the line as you said a team of 11 dogs at Monaco today uh, Jeff welcome to the program thanks very much for joining us yeah great how you going yeah, not too bad. Thanks for joining us at an early stage on a Sunday morning. Eleven, obviously, at the meeting. Any in particular that fancies your eye, if you have to make a choice, particularly out there for the punters? Well, um, we've got Zipping Hewitt. He's in, uh, he's in the last. He's drawn eight. He's really drawn to suit. Um, I think he'll go pretty close, but... Uh, there's a couple of other speedsters in there, uh, but yeah, I think he'd be he'd probably be a big shot today. Jeff, uh, Mark Rosanowski here. We'll work through some of your other uh, of the team in a moment, but I, I do want to ask you just how things have been for you, for Glennis, for the team of dogs, uh, your workers, your supporters over the last couple of months during lockdown. Oh well, it's it's been really tough. Um, I think up to last week, you know, we hadn't raced for eight or nine weeks. And, um, yeah, I mean, not only financially, obviously, that's been a bit of a kick for us. But, um, you know, also for the, the, the dogs themselves, the owners, um, yeah, it, it's been really tough. But 
Oh, well, you know, it is what it is, and um, I guess uh, we're all fit and well, and so are the dogs, so that's the main thing. But, um, yeah, ho- hopefully we can we can kick this, uh, this COVID thing and get back to some normality. Well, at the moment, Jeff, the only normality you have is that we are at least able to race. We've got seven races like last week, uh, same trainers, same dogs involved, of course, while we remain under these current restrictions, or you do up there. Uh, look, how did you feel your team performed last week, and um, and, and how much do you think the um, the race last week has brought your team on? Yeah, we've a little bit of a mixed day. There's a couple I thought might have gone a bit better, um, but... Um, yeah, having not raced for a while, I mean, there's no sort of substitute for, for the race fitness. Uh, a few of them, there was a few younger ones, they were a little bit overwhelmed getting back to the track after, you know, such a long break. Um, we, we're quite lucky with the setup and facilities we've got. The dogs really didn't lose any fitness, but it's just, uh, it's not the same, uh, you know, as, as racing them, um, as regular racing. Um, they seem to thrive on that. I think a lot of them have, um, you know, will improve greatly for that run. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to a pretty good day. Just in terms of the logistics of the meeting, how did it all work last week, Jeff? Did it all seem a bit surreal or did it actually go off, um, you know, reasonably uh, reasonably smoothly? Well, it it did. Yeah, it it did go off um, really smoothly. Um, there, there was no hiccups at all. But um, yeah, it was a bit surreal. I mean, there wasn't a lot of people here. Um, you know, luckily last week we didn't have any. Well, when I say luckily, we didn't have any five two seven races. So I doubt that if we had had two or three with, you know, people with four or five dogs in it, I don't think we would have had enough catches. There was that um, small amount of people here, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it was good to be back into it, and um, you know, full full credit to the club and um, you know Robert, who's the secretary here, and I mean, obviously, all the trainers were really pleased to get back into it. So um, yeah, we're just happy to be here again this week. Jeff, uh, you've got a, um, a reasonably quiet start to the, to the meeting, actually, but you've got a dog in race two, dog number five, zipping locket. Unfortunately, he did his chips at the start last week. He's um, um, Kevin Gordon sent him out to us. He's a, he's a full little brother to um, Zipping Curios and Zipping Barty and Zipping Hewitt. Um, wouldn't mind if he was he was up to Curios' standard, but um, I don't think he's quite there. Um, yeah, look, he he can be tardy at the start, and that's um, he, he's only had the two races for us. He won first up at Cambridge. Um, and he was slow out there, but that one turn track with a long straight, he had plenty of time to wind up, and he, and he, he really, he really won well. Um, I personally think that um, he's going to be a pretty good dog over here, but I think the Cambridge track suits him. The 318 here in Auckland is just going to be a bit short for him, especially if he misses away. If he jumps um, and gets on it, yeah, he's um, he's got a bit of a motor. Jeff, in race number four, um, the uh, the kennel's got three greyhounds in it, Zipping Saint, Zipping Derek, and Zipping Aubrey. Now, the inside pair, both around the $4 mark, favourite is uh, Marie Prangley's Thrilling Freddy, looking for four straight at $1.80. Just looking to your inside, two dogs there, firstly, uh, Zipping Saint and Zipping Derek, um, both you know in the market behind the favourite. Which one do you rate more of the two? 
always had a lot of time for Derek. Um, he he's a very very smart dog. The problem is he um, doesn't always um, stay focused, but um, he's he's. A, a very, very good dog. Uh, Zipping Saint's got brilliant box speed. She can get out and go. Um, but if Derek was happened to be behind her, I think he'd get her. He, he'd be a bit stronger than her. Uh, the thrilling pretty of um, uh, Marie Pringles is going to be real tough. I mean, that's, that's just flying at the moment. Um, and out a bit wider, we've got Aubrey. Um, again, he's only been lightly raced since he came over here. Um, Dennis Schofield bought, and Pam bought him, bought him out here. And, um, yeah, he, he's, he, he's another one with a motor. But, um, again, I think he would probably be a little bit better suited drawn inside. Jeff, in uh, race number five, um, got four runners here, but up against the Craig runners who are who are the favoured. You've got the four outsiders here, and um, the tightest in the market for you is a, a power lightning at seven dollars. Do you kind of agree with that market, or is there something we're missing here in race five? Yeah, well, we we had a few problems uh, a little while back with lightning, and um, probably. To be fair, the break um, with the COVID situation has probably helped her no end, um, and she's she's coming back now, uh, you know, as good as ever. Uh, I I don't know. I think she may may need this one, um, but a dog that I've got a lot of time for is Opawa Kirk. He's only a young fella. He, he's only had the two starts, and um, he won first up at Cambridge um, in, a, in, a, in a pretty good time. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to go on to a lot bigger and better things. Uh, whether whether he's, um, you know, totally up to it at the moment, being young and only having a couple of race starts, um, I think a bit of time will tell with him. But I would really uh, suggest people keep an eye on him. He's, he's going to be uh, right up there. Yeah, we'll certainly take notes there, Jeff. Um, for these greyhounds, of course, it's the uh, the first 527 metre race we've had back, so um, that could throw a few question marks over the field. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy we're at at the moment with with these four. Um, I'm pretty sure they they're you know totally fitting well and up up to the 500. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know when you when you're up against the crates, they've always uh, they've always got a strong hand in most of the races. Yes, they certainly look dominant again today. Uh, does the crate team? We spoke with Elisa last week. They picked up four wins uh, in race six. Uh, Jeff, the team here has got uh, Opawa Slick, uh, $9 shot this morning. <laughs> didn't, didn't do much of a run off box four last week. To be fair to him. Um, and look, to be fair with him, um, Slicky's uh, he's a 500 metre dog, and it's just unfor- and he's class three. It's just unfortunate we can't get a 500 metre race for him. Um, you'd, you'd really see, you know, the best of him. He, he's just really not suited to the sprints. I don't think. Um, I think they'll just go a bit too quick for him early. Um, but yeah, once he gets back up over the 500, um, you, you'll see a different dog there. Jeff, in the last, uh, you got inside-outside here, and our second and third favourites behind uh, Fast Dog of the Craigs called Wheels on Fire, who's priced 1.7. But out in box eight, Zipping Hewitt, like you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, is um, a winner from last week for you and steps up to class five, box number eight. What are you expecting from uh, from Hewitt today? 
Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with him. He's he's really drawn to suit. He he tends to get off the track, um, and if he begins like like I know he can, um, yeah, he'll give wheels on fire a, a hurry up. Uh, but that is, you know, that is the dog to beat. It's it's pretty smart. Uh, but yeah, Huey's um, again. He's he's got a, a blistering second sectional, um, and if he's in front, he might take a bit of running down. Uh, but what you know, the, the, again, the, the the sprints can be a bit of a lottery. Um, uh, but both him and Barty, who's drawn the one, zipping Barty, like they're really 500 metre dogs. Or, or Huey's more more prime, uh, more inclined to go to 457 at Cambridge. Um, but yeah, he's got he's got real good pace. So um, yeah, I think he'd be right in it. And uh, just with Barty, uh, the sister, off the inside, is it, is it a good draw for her as a rule? It's not too bad for her. Um, again, she's, you know, she'd be more, I'd be real confident with her right now if we were looking at a, at a 500 metre race. Um but uh, yeah, she's got some. She's got some early pace as well. So um, again, they've all got to they've all got to get out and go because there's some real pace in it. Well, Jeff, uh, look, uh, we wish you and Glennis and the team uh, all the best today. Eleven dogs in there, and uh, we've got seven races again. Good to see Greyhound racing back at Monaco, even under uh, very restricted and difficult circumstances. And uh, and here's hoping for uh, soon the opportunity for you guys to uh, to race a little more often, to welcome in dogs from the outside, and also, of course, to get down to Cambridge. Yeah, that. That'd be good. Um, we're really looking forward to, to getting sort of back into that side of it, the, you know, that normality side of it. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, again, as I uh, said before, you know, it's uh, congratulations to the club. They've done a great job um, uh, to, to get these meetings up and running at this stage, as they are anyway. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty pretty grateful for all that. Jeff, thanks again for your time. Damien there, uh, Jeff Farrell from Farrell Racing, uh, the Greyhounds uh, racing in the name of, uh, of Glennis Farrell, trainer, and, and Jeff, a big part of that operation and their helpers as well. And they're at Monaco today looking to uh, try and break the crack stranglehold on the place, you would think, because uh, the cracks have got most of the favourites today uh, amongst the six trainers who are lining up. And we do appreciate Jeff's time. Just before we head to the break, Rosso, we'll bring in Andy McCook on the other side of the break. In regards to the way that training operations have had to adapt to COVID, obviously the lockdowns don't help, but have you noticed from any perspective from the trainers that you've spoken to that they've had positive effects on the way that they've changed or adapted their operations? Has it created new ways of thinking about how to actually run a business like it has been the case for a lot of other businesses in every other industry or has it just been generally a frustration from what you've heard in regards to your contacts in the industry? I think, uh, Damien, it's been generally a frustration and you can understand that. Mm. But what I have to say is that the ones that I have spoken to have also been you know, positive in the sense that, um, you know, very much the case of it is what it is and we, we do have to adapt and we've had to do what we've had to do and there's been a general gratefulness to um, uh, GRNZ for uh, for assistance uh, and also um, to the club for um, getting up and running, you know, when the opportunity allowed. So I've certainly noticed that. There's no question, I think, Damien, that just in general, general life full stop, let alone, you know, whatever 
uh, we're involved with in our lives that um, that, that everybody is sort of recalibrating, recalculating, mm-hmm. and and uh, and all of a sudden just 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 realising that that sometimes things happen that are beyond our control, and we we do have to adapt to those. And and I guess we're all struggling as a human race to be doing that at the moment. But I've got to say, particularly like talking obviously to the to, to Lisa Craig last week, to to, to Jeff this week, my chats that I have with them on the Saturday when I'm asking them onto the show is that that, that they you know. I've been very impressed with with just you know how they've they have um, just hung in there, uh, stoically continued to to prepare their team, wait for the return to racing which we've now got, and then after a few weeks, uh, let's hope um, the ability to uh, have outside dogs come in to have a greater scope of racing and for them to also to be able to travel to that uh, other track in their uh, northern area, which is Cambridge, which obviously does suit um, more a few of the uh, the feral team in particular. Here, here. We'll take a break. Back with more on Kiwi Chasing on the other side. Andy McCook will join us. We do this for New Zealand Greyhounds, the first bet Sunday through Friday at grnz.co.nz. Back with more in a moment. Live around Australia on SEN Track, you're listening to Kiwi Chasing for New Zealand Greyhounds. First for form. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday morning on ACN Track. This is Kiwi Chasing as we dissect the latest Greyhound racing news in New Zealand for New Zealand Greyhounds, the first for form. Damian Watson in the Australian studios and I'm joined by Mark Rosanowski and Rosso. It's time to discuss the week's news as we get ever closer to the biggest Greyhound meeting of the year in New Zealand. And you can introduce your partner in crime because he's finally on the line. <laughs> Indeed he is. Yes, uh, Mr. Andy McCook, crimes right. Uh, good to have you along, though, uh, Andy. It's been uh, a week um, that has been stifled, really, by uh, a few things. There always seems to be something. We've got the overriding cloak of COVID, of course, but then other things pop up, track closures, and uh, sometimes um, cancelled ferry sailings as well, which is what happened this week. The Thursday meeting, the coal team who were going to travel south once again, like they did the previous week and unleash a uh, potential uh, galaxy contender in Typhoon Tim. They all had to be late scratch, so we're kind of none the wiser a week down the line. We got you there, Andy. Yeah, I'm here, mate. I'm here. Yeah, uh, did you hear what Rosso said there just before? No, no, didn't catch any of it. Uh, didn't catch any of it. Just going to say, uh, just in relation to some of the track closures, what have you made of that? Because there's those dramas alongside what's happening with the ongoing lingering doubt regarding COVID as well on the industry. Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, certainly, feeling for uh, feeling for the boys up in the CD that are uh, training up there and, uh, and having to cop that uh, that track closure, and uh, obviously having to race over 410 metres is a little bit tricky for uh, for some of those short course dogs. But uh, good to see some of them uh, taking a little bit of initiative. I've seen uh, there was sort of four or five dogs come down uh, earlier in the week uh, to be to be trained down here while. Uh, well, we know he is out of play, so some trainers are using their initiative heading down here and uh, sending some dogs down over the 295 metres to where they suit, but uh, no, it's certainly not good times for the boys that have to deal with it. And Rosso, I should mention as well, Thane Green driving the lure at uh, Manico. What did you make of that in particular? 
<laughs> oh, look, Thane is uh, a legend of our sport here. Uh, Thane is in the uh, the Hall of Fame for the work that he's done for Greyhound Racing over uh, decades, um, particularly administratively uh, in Auckland and nationally as well. He's been on um, manner of boards that have been... Uh, he's been serving at critical times uh, where Greyhound Racing has needed uh, his influence um, and his understanding of of the industry and of business to, to, to get us to where we are today. He's one of those people who uh, has done countless hours of work for the code and uh, consequently uh, inducted into the Greyhound Hall of Fame. And at a time where you think uh, saying would just be sitting back and relaxing, Damien. Um, and I thought that we would get him on today and talk during this segment, actually, about the three dogs that he had in at Monaco, thinking that he'd be on the couch at home with his feet up and watching his three dogs today. Um, he tells me, no, he's having to drive the lure because the regular lure driver there at Monaco, Mike Lazelle, uh, lives in the Waikato. He is unable to cross the border and uh, saying having driven the um, lure for trials across about the last three years uh, is the best option that they have and so um, he stepped up to the plate last week and drove for the seven race card and he'll be doing that again today <laughs> and he's driving trials at the moment so he couldn't join us on the line uh, he did tell us though that his, uh, his three dogs that are all sort of at uh, nine, ten, and a, and a bit more dollars about 18 uh, dollars today he thought uh, would struggle in their respective races but uh, well done to Thane again for, for stepping up just uh, another of the things another of the logistics we don't really get to think about when it comes to uh, clubs putting on uh, meetings under such tight restrictions. Yes, and Andy uh, just goes to show, even if you are a Hall of Famer, uh, it doesn't stop you from doing various types of jobs with Fane Green obviously driving the lure. Uh, he is a, certainly an interesting character as we know, but uh, yeah, what did you make of that? <laughs> the fact that he couldn't join oh, us on the show. Yeah, it just goes to show uh, what Greyhound Racing and then how we all make sure we can get by and make a race meeting happen. There's a few uh, jack-of-all-trades in the industry that can do a few things, more than one, and, uh, yeah, we, we step up and you get involved when you need to step up and get involved. And, uh, yeah, good to see Thane stepping up and, uh, and putting his hand up and getting that lure driving done to get the uh, the guys and girls up to back racing and, and trying to earn a little bit of income. And Rosso, just in regards to other news going around outside of obviously the ongoing lingering doubts surrounding COVID and what that could present to the industry, hopefully not too much going forward. Uh, we're in the build-up to the biggest Greyhound meeting of the year in New Zealand. So how is the anticipation in that sense at the moment? We got you there, Rosso. Yeah, sorry, Damien. Yes, um, indeed. Sorry, I thought you were throwing that down to Andy, but uh, we, we were hoping uh, last week that we would uh, we'd learn more uh, in terms of going forward to the Cup and Galaxy and New Zealand Stayers Cup, particularly with uh, the cold dogs going down, including Typhoon Tim, a dog that we mentioned on the show last week, being a uh, a, a new import who looks very very sharp and well suited to the 295 metres of the Galaxy, and with the cold team having to be 
uh, late scratch there, given that uh, their ferry crossing was cancelled because of a fairly wild southerly storm that whipped up the Cook Strait that separates the two main islands here in New Zealand. So uh, just a, another thing that can get in the way of, of trainers and, and of travel. So we didn't advance a great deal. We did see it's a blaze uh, when uh, beyond 600 metres down at Invercargill, Andy mentioned uh, that that was interesting, that it's a blaze be running over the, the 630 metres down there uh, during the week. And he duly obliged. He won very convincingly and he beat some good 600 metre dogs too, it has to be said. He was expected to, but he did it in fine fashion. He was two tenths of a second outside the record, which is a long-standing record, mm. and on a day that absolutely was not conducive to fast times. So uh, It's a Blaze continues to be uh, a dog foremost in our mind uh, every time he steps out. And uh, and again, uh, looking forward to uh, New Zealand, the New Zealand Cup, the richest race in the country, second, uh, November, uh, second uh, Thursday of November, that final. Yeah, of course, the New Zealand Cup coming up, Andy, with It's a Blaze. You heard from what Rosso said there in regards to its ability and the fact that it has run decent times despite some obstacles to face. What do you think about the dog's potential going forward, even beyond uh, some of the rich races coming up with It's a Blaze? What do you think can be its pinnacle? Oh, he's, he's dead set scary in terms of speed. It's a Blaze and, and what he's capable of doing. Um I think potentially, you know, we've seen him go down to win the cargo race over 600 of a one-turn track. We do have the, the Nancy Cobain Memorial coming up in the not-too-distant future, a 600-metre Group 1, uh, or might be Group 2, Group 1, Group 2, whatever it is, uh, coming up at uh, Manawit 2. Um, might be a, a really interesting race and potentially one of the best group races on the card with uh, what's racing around there at the moment, the big-time Harleys and the Bronski Beats, for uh, example, and uh, you, you, you sort of start throwing dogs like it's a blaze into the mix and uh, we might have a, a dead set, um, just a, a cracking group race on our hands there. But the only other thing to come out of Thursday, and, uh, and Rosa, you'll love this as well, is some New Zealand breed greyhounds really putting their hand up and saying, hey, you know, we're not going to be far away come November. Dogs like Opal were superstar for the, the powerful Fahey Barn winning in uh, 30.03. We know he's got speed. Epic Cruz running third and behind uh, Raja Bale in the C5. And... Gee, even a dog like Curly Bill, Mike Dempsey's only got a couple of dogs in the backyard and Curly Bill's just dead set racing out of his skin at the moment, racing well. So the New Zealand breeds are looking like they're going to start putting their hand up and they might not be far away come November. All right, and uh, as we head to the news, Rosso, what do you think of Curly Bill in terms of its capabilities? Look, I, I love the fact that we have uh, trainers with just a couple of dogs, as Andy suggested there, that have got these greyhounds that can potentially uh, sneak into a big race. We've seen it over the years with, with um, trainers being able to do that, not necessarily snaring the big prize, but um, their goal is obviously to be competitive at the top level. And often we're talking about um, you know imported dogs, like it's a blaze and the ability that they've got. But the New Zealand breeding industry has uh, been strengthened over the past few years with the access that we've had to um, to the semen from Australia. Artificial insemination has just changed everything for us and uh, the dream is obviously to uh, to breed and race a dog and race it at the highest level in New Zealand and that is actually available to uh, small uh, backyard if you like operations uh, taking on the bigger operations and for some of those bigger operations of course the pinnacle would be to try and get a dog to uh, take over to Australia and 
try and compete in races like the Melbourne Cup over there, uh, all things being free, of course, which they're not at the moment in terms of border restrictions. So I love the fact that Mike Dempsey and others have got dogs that um, you know might be able to find their way through uh, to um, a race like the New Zealand Cup final because I think that's what keeps the dream alive for us all. Yeah, absolutely. We'll take a break for the news, and on the other side, we'll get some of your tips, both Rosso and Andy. You're listening to Kiwi Chasing. All thanks to New Zealand Greyhounds, the first for form. Sunday morning across the SEN track network, Damien Watson joined by two Greyhound racing experts in New Zealand, Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. We do this for New Zealand Greyhounds, the first for form. Let's turn our attention to the tips for the meetings over the coming couple of days and certainly ones for the punters to follow. We'll start with you, Andy. Who do you like over the next 48 hours in terms of tips? Oh, hey, look, Damien, last week uh, I decided to uh, try and throw one out for uh, a day, uh, the next couple of days, sort of up to Wednesday when uh, we have the fields out and available to us. And I might try and run down that uh, that theory again and just give the uh, the punters something to uh, to look forward to or... After last week, maybe something to put a line through um, <laughs> over the next few days. But uh, hopefully we can improve. I think we went one from four, but she paid all right at about three bucks. So we'll take that as a win. Uh, we'll start off again today uh, at Auckland. Race one, Drifter Dodge. Now, I tipped him out last week and he let me down something dreadful. Uh, he's a whole lot better than that. He comes up with a wide draw today. He's uh, he's opened about 3.20 over here in New Zealand. So I think from a wide draw, six-dog field, we can go again on him and try and turn a wee profit. Uh, on Monday, we've got two meetings, Addington down here at, uh, in Christchurch and uh, also the Manawatu where Rosa will be calling. Uh, at Addington, race four, dog two, almost exactly. He's a maidener. He's getting better with every start. He looks uh, set to uh, to get a maiden win very shortly. Race ten, dog six, go Johnny Go. He's a very promising dog. This He's got a bright future. Wide draw, perfect. He's cost himself his last two by wanting to get away from the rail. So I think from out wide, he'll be pretty hard to beat. Manawatu, race five, dog one, big time reward. Rosa will be listening and saying, Jesus, Andy, that's a good field. Uh, but he comes up with a good draw, big time reward. And although his uh, kennel made it be hard to beat, I think he can give them something to think about for a long old way. Couple at Eddington on Tuesday as well. Damien, race 10, dog five, Jocelyn. She's on her way to class five uh, at some stage in her career. And uh, I'm hoping Tuesday's a stepping stone for that. Race 11, dog one, Gorilla Smile again. Tipped it out last week, ran second, went good. Think it can go close again. And to wrap things up, Damien, Wednesday in Vicargo, race seven, one of the locals, dog eight, Just Olive, comes up with a wide draw, which should suit her style, and I think she'll be pretty hard to beat. And just before we head to Rosso, I'll let you go, Andy, from here. But one to finish off with, we're going to talk to Craig Roberts on the other side of the next break about his association with the late Paul Wheeler, who passed away recently. What are your memories of Paul and what are your thoughts in regards to his legacy on the industry, not only in Australia, but across Australasia, really? Yeah, it's a, it's a legacy that's uh, going to live on for a very long time, isn't it? He was uh, He's one of the very best, if not the best, in terms of breeding and, and what he did. And obviously uh, the greyhounds he sent here, although uh, not his very best, they were very, very good dogs. And uh, Craig, lucky enough to, to be associated with Paul and, and, and had a very, very good run, winning a lot of group races with a lot of very good dogs. And obviously it's been going um, and, and is still going to this day. Obviously Dinah Vickers, Dinah Weslin, two very good dogs of recent years. And he's now We've got Raja Bale and Leonard Bale, who are both uh, speedsters and, and, and on their way on picking towards a, a cup campaign. And uh, hopefully he can uh, put his foot in the till this year and, uh, and just remember Paul and, uh, and the, 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 the legacy that he's going to leave for a, a very long time, Damien. I don't think we'll see anyone, and well, not in my time again, that was as good as Paul was at uh, breeding and knowing who to put his broodies to and just ensuring that his line would breed on for years to come.
Oh, good on you, Andy. Thanks for joining us again, mate, and appreciate your time. Oh, my dead set pleasure, mate. And at least uh, half of the show is going to be listenable to the people without Andy McCook <laughs> rabbiting on. Nah, don't be silly, mate. We love your contribution. Andy McCook there. Rosso, let's head to you. What are your tips for the punters to look out for over the next 48 hours? Well, there's uh, 15 races coming out of Manawatu Raceway for the Palmerston North Growing Hunt Racing Club tomorrow. Now, the first 10 are on meeting code 9 and uh, the final five are on meeting code seven. So, uh, Damien, on meeting code nine, in terms of just backable dogs, race nine, dog number three, big time Ridge. This is a greyhound dropping in class and dropping back in distance. He's got early pace. I think he'll just handle this field. Race nine, number three, big time Ridge. Uh, in the following race, race 10, uh, it's a reverse criteria race, whereas effectively the dogs with the worst form get the run so that some of these greyhounds that have been missing a start get a start. Dog number four is big time Judah. Now, actually ran a, a pretty solid second on Friday, which is really good form for this race. Had box one, then goes into box four. But nonetheless, I think Judah in the right sort of form to salute there. Race 10, number four. Uh, tomorrow at Palmerston North. Then we move on to meeting code seven. In race two, dog two, big time Juicy. Very unlucky on Friday. This dog will just win. Uh, the odds will be short, but uh, through all multis, Race two, number two, big time juicy on meeting code seven. And race three, dog I've talked about on the show a bit, number seven, Mr. Fahrenheit. He steps up in class. This dog's got a really good closing sectional. He is a wide runner. He's suitably drawn. I think he can handle the step in class. And so Mr. Fahrenheit, race three, number seven on meeting code of seven tomorrow at Palmerston North. That's effectively the 13th race of the day of the 15 that will run. And Damien, just before we leave this meeting, uh, in race 15, the surprise return of a dog called Federal Ranger uh, who won the Group 1 New Zealand Futurity. Uh, then he suffered a serious injury in July. Well, he is back. Uh, he's won 9 from 11. He looked an outstanding talent, a younger half-brother to the brilliant Federal Morgan. And um, this dog, um, some exclusive uh, information from the Cole Kennels for the SEN listeners this morning. Mm -hmm. uh, Federal Ranger at a, a trial, he clocked 23 and 58. Now, for the 410, that's an okay time, especially on trial day. It's not exceptional, it's okay. The important thing is that he trialled with a dog called Big Time Prada who has won 10 from 11 and he beat Big Time Prada in that trial. So the Cole Kennel's confident of a good showing from Federal Ranger first up, but they do say he's a 50-50 uh, week-to-week -week proposition in terms of his long-term future. Oh, fantastic stuff for Rosso. We appreciate those tips. Now we'll head to the break and on the other side we spoke about the contribution and legacy of Paul Wheeler. A man who knew him very well was Craig Roberts. He's going to join us to reflect on Paul Wheeler's legacy upon the industry, particularly over the last quarter of a century. You're listening to Kiwi Chasing. Damian Watson with Mark Rosadowski for New Zealand Greyhounds, the first for form. Live around Australia on SEN Track, you're listening to Kiwi Chasing for New Zealand Greyhounds. First perform. It's a big welcome back. Hope you're enjoying Kiwi Chasing on this Sunday morning. Damien Watson joined by Mark Rosanowski for New Zealand Greyhounds, the first for form. And Rosa, it's fair to say, very sad news in recent times of the passing of Paul Wheeler, who made a great contribution to the industry, not only in Australia, but across the region in the world for the last, well, probably over 40 years. When you think about it, he's been in the game for a long period of time. And a man who knew him over the last 25 years is going to join us very shortly. 
Yeah, indeed, Damien. Big shock to us all, of course, here in New Zealand. Uh, we're still reeling from the passing of uh, the late, great Ray Adcock going back a few weeks, a, uh, a trainer who kind of set the bar and the standard over here. But no, we were all shocked to hear of the sudden passing of Paul Wheeler last week, but no one more so than, than Craig Roberts, who has had a wonderful association with the Wheeler family over the last 20 to 25 years. Craig, as we say good morning to you, uh, just wondering uh, about your thoughts as you reflect on the contribution that Paul Wheeler made to greyhound racing in this part of the world, and in particular to um, to your career as a greyhound trainer over the last 20 years or so. Yeah, good morning, uh, Rosa and uh, um, yeah, look, it was uh, it was a shock. It, it was just um, you just thought uh, Paul was going to be around forever, and um, he uh, it's taken way too soon, obviously. But look, I, I I don't I would argue with anybody that I don't think there's been a more influential man uh, in greyhound racing in Australasia um, ever. And uh, you know, Paul was a, a vision with what he did with um, you know with his breeding race. Um, you know that the property set up and everything, and um, yeah, look, it just uh, I just can't, I still can't believe that it. it's it's actually uh, you know that he actually is gone. It's um, it's just terrible news for for the industry, both uh, obviously in Australia and also here in New Zealand. And very tough, of course, on his family, who um, you obviously still train greyhounds for. But, Craig, I'm just wondering how the uh, association came about in the first place there towards the end of the 90s between you and Paul Wheeler. I, I, I realised uh, pretty young at training that um, there was two problems with New Zealand. One was New Zealand greyhound uh, people didn't sell greyhounds, and... I quickly realised also that the Aussie dogs were way better than ours. So I had, you know, a few uh, owners as I was getting started that wanted to buy racing dogs. So I started looking at Aussie and I made several trips over to Australia and established a few contacts uh, back, you know, 25, 25, 28 odd years ago. And... um, Oh, you know, a chap called Kenny Haynes, who had made uh, the odd trip to New Zealand, he was quite a good uh, checker of greyhounds. And um, I, I struck up a relationship with him, and, and on one of my trips uh, over to Australia, he organised uh, full of two... And that's how I, how I first met Paul uh, and was out of the Oaks um, some 25-odd years ago. And they'd already, had, um, they'd already had people from New Zealand come over there. I know, I remember uh, Graham Barron telling me uh, once that, you know, they'd had a tour group from New Zealand go over there and Paul and Jan were just uh, more than happy to have them come and look around the club and show them what they do and everything. So... Um, so Paul had had a, a, a small amount of contact with uh, New Zealand anyway, but, um, you know, obviously he was entrenched in the, in the racing there. But he was a seller at the time. He, he was a seller and, um, and I was a buyer. So uh, we worked, uh, just worked out right, right time. And, and um, you know, from, from purchasing those first two or three dogs, uh, we just developed a good relationship and, and when it came, to uh, he, he, he <laughs> it didn't take him long to realise that the dogs were selling for, um, for, 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 for just for fear money. Like he wasn't silly with his pricing. Um, we're going out and, and winning a massive and uh, you know, he hang on to the dogs and send out the trains and, and, and some of the stake money. And, and when he did that, um, you know, he was happy to send uh, a handful to me for a start off and to see how we would how we would go.
Craig Jarve had way too many good dogs that you've raced with the um, or trained for the Wheeler family t- to mention, but an early dog who um, really got you uh, kick-started, if you like, uh, and put you in prime time here in New Zealand was a dog called Denzel Bale, who won the 99 Auckland Cup, and he was a, a derby winner, just a fabulous dog, and his racing style and his name, he just seemed to capture attention. Yeah, he did. Yeah, his name. Um, I, I even had, uh, I even had an American chap um, uh, message me and uh, and say that he he would follow the dog because uh, it was named after him. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, he, he was a very very good dog too. But yeah, look, he had a he had a strange racing style. He um, he, he would run out wide around the around the going to the bend and uh, wide, but very nervy sort of dog. Very. Uh, unsure of himself but when he went on the track he, he was a cracker and uh Paul actually did mention um Denzel Bale that to take him back Bozzy and, and have a go with him but you know, I said to Paul that um, look, he, he just runs too wild to be competitive in, in the top grade uh, in Australia and uh, and he took um he took my judgment on that and uh and Denzel stayed and, and lived out his life in New Zealand but that was the one good thing about Paul Wheeler just on, on the training. He he would he said to me on more than one occasion, he said, Look, I breed and rear them and I send them out to trainers. I, I've never done a teller trainer what to do because uh, I send them to the trainers because I trust what they do is the right thing. So he never, ever, ever told me once that I was doing something wrong or that I could do something better or try try something. He, he was just a perfect owner. Craig, in the last few years, um, of course, we're, we're used to bale dogs, uh, Allen dogs and Dinah dogs, of course. And uh, in recent years, you've had Dinah Weslin and Dinah Vickers, and both those greyhounds have been good enough to be New Zealand greyhound of the year. Have they been among the very best of the Wheeler dogs that you've had? They would, they would be. Um, yeah, uh, well... <laughs> Stakes here in a winning 272 odd thousand dollars uh, without winning a Group One. So um, you know, look, Dave, he, uh, he holds a special place, um, being, being my highest stakes earner. And, um, but yeah, look, Vickers was a great dog. He was a hard case. He he's still wear lying on the couch. Um, Donna Weston was just a champion. We stay a very very. Um, Quiet sort of a dog, didn't have a lot of confidence, very shy, but another one that, you know, she just took to the chasing over here with the finish on and um, we got her going and, and she never looked back and uh, she was a wee beauty. Paul took her back for breeding and she's, her first litter is just racing now uh, and it looks like it's a pretty good one in that too. So um, we'll look forward to seeing some uh, some more of her, uh, her progeny race. But yeah, look, Vickers, in recent years, uh, Donna Vickers, uh, Donna Bay and Donna Wesson. We seem to have lost Craig there, Rosso, but uh, certainly a very thorough description of the contribution that Paul Wheeler made to the industry and uh, quite fitting given the amount of time he spent in the industry right throughout Australasia. Yeah, indeed. And um, look, we were, we were about to wrap up anyway, so we thank Craig for his time. One dog I was going to mention is Leonard Bale, who uh, has been a, uh, a dual Group 1 winner uh, recently in New Zealand. And uh, he's, I see he's um, resuming uh, over 390 metres at Ascot Park in Bacargill on Wednesday. So we'll look out for Leonard Bale and wish him well in this campaign. Just point out, Damien, that um, 
where uh, Craig was calling from this morning, Oamaru, uh, because he's a uh, dual-coated trainer these days. He's got uh, with his partner Angela Washington a team of horses, and they've got Hilda Morden down there today, which I think is a, a reasonable double-figure mm. bet in race number three. So we'll see if we can't tip out a trotting winner as well. <laughs> and, David, as we wrap up, Edition 10 of uh, Kiwi Chasing. We look forward to catching up with you next week. Look out for those Monaco Greyhounds this afternoon. Auckland Greyhound Racing Club at Monaco for the second time under their Level 3 Stage 1 restrictions. Well, Rosso, really appreciate your time. Good calling ahead, and thanks again for another edition of Kiwi Chasing. Yeah, always a pleasure, Damien. We'll be back next week, and uh, we can do it all again. Absolutely. Thanks for your time out there. Stay tuned. Same time next week for another edition of Kiwi Chasing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 